invite you to take your copy of God's Word now and turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. And the words to which I would call your attention this morning come to us from verses 51 to 52. This is the 13th chapter of Matthew's Gospel, verses 51 and 52. This is the Word of the Lord. Let's give attention to it now. Have you understood these things? They said to him, Yes. And he said to them, Therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Oh, how I love your law. Amen. Please be seated. Let's go before the Lord now in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we come before you now confessing that your word is pure. It is perfect. It is settled in the heavens forever. And Father, we confess that you sent your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who took to himself a true body and a reasonable soul, that he might fulfill the law in our behalf, that he might honor you with his whole life from his birth to his death, and that he might take his life up again, having been raised from the dead. And even now he is seated at your right hand, and we come before you, O Lord, asking that you would bless us through the preaching of your word, that you would make it alive within us through the working of your Holy Spirit, Teach us your precepts and help us to love them as we love you. We pray in your name. Amen. Well, it is, it is summertime. It's every bit of it. We know from the heat. Um, but one of the popular things about the summertime is that uh, kids from all over the place gather in certain place to attend sports camps. They go to these sports camps so that they can uh, become better at their craft and they are usually uh, taught by professional athletes who spent years honing their ability to play some sport or another. And they gather at uh, sometimes university campuses or local ball fields so that they can pass on to these young players the skills that they have gathered. They want to share what they've learned with others. Similarly, here in our passage, Jesus taught his disciples that they had been taught in order to teach others. The hymn that we sung in the opening of our worship, did you catch the idea that that hymn is conveying? That one generation would teach another, and so down through the ages, the word of God would be secured from one generation to the next Jesus is teaching his disciples this morning and from this passage that they had been taught in order to teach others. They had been given joy in Christ so that they might give this joy to others. And so what we find is that the kingdom disciple, the kingdom disciple is one who joyfully seeks mastery of the law of God in light of the kingdom of God and then seeks to share that joy with others. I want you to notice as you look at the passage, just a slight change 
here as we come to the eighth, and this is the last parable of chapter 13, what we call the, the third discourse in Matthew's gospel. Notice a slight change in this parable. Look with me at verse 52. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of the house. Now, as we've been going along, we've, we've gotten sort of comfortable with the parables because each and every one of them says, The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. And so Jesus, through seven parables, teaches us the nature of his kingdom. And we've learned it's a present reality, it's not just something that's in the future. The kingdom of heaven is something that has come close. And Jesus, in, in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, what did he preach? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. But here there's a change, isn't there? He doesn't say the kingdom of heaven is light. What does he say? He says the scribe who has been trained for the kingdom, the scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a house. So now he is thinking about the people who are in his kingdom. What are they like? Well, they are like scribes. They are disciples. And so what we see then is three very simple points. The kingdom disciple is trained in the word of God. The word of God is his treasure. And he shares it with others. The kingdom disciple is one who is trained in the Word of God. He treasures the Word of God. And then he shares that Word with others. Notice, first of all, that the kingdom disciple is trained in the Word of God. Jesus begins with a very simple catechism question, doesn't he? Looking out at his disciples then, as they have been separated away from the crowd, he looks at them and he says, have you understood these things? And what do they say? Yes. Yeah, we get it. We understand. And do you notice then that this parable connects the beginning of the discourse or the end to the beginning? Do you remember how we began? Jesus went aside with his disciples and they were asking him what question? Why do you teach everybody in parables? Why do you teach in parables? And do you remember what he said? He said, because it is given to you to understand and it has not been given to them. It hasn't been given to the mass of Israel to understand the kingdom of God. It has been given to you. And so we connect now the end of the discourse to the beginning. This is all about understanding. Jesus emphasized hearing as understanding. Go back with me to the beginning of chapter 13. Look at verse 11. He answered to them, he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. And then skip with to verse 13. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. What Jesus is saying is there are, there are people who will sit under the ministry of the word and they hear it, but they never understand. They, they are never brought out of a state of blindness and given 
an understanding of the word. In other words, they abide under God's judgment. And what is the sign of that judgment? They don't understand. We could go back to Matthew chapter 11. Remember there, Jesus is pronouncing his woes upon the various cities. And he says to them, if, if such and such a city had seen what you see, have seen, they would have repented a long time ago. Because a part of his message was what? Repent. Repent. And they never did. Why? Because they didn't understand And so Jesus, in this parable, as he begins it, he picks out a particular word, going back to verse 52. He says, and he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom is like a master of a house. Now, this is important. You you can read over that and you can say, well, every, every, every scribe is like a is, is, who is trained for the kingdom of heaven is like, and you can totally skip over that word and not think about it, but that's an important word. Jesus calls the disciples of the kingdom the sons of the kingdom scribes. Do you, do you know what a scribe is? He is one who devotes himself to the law of God. In, in our day, if you walk into an attorney's office, you will, you will find some place in that office a library. And that, that library is filled with law books. And you might, if you go into that office, you might find that attorney from time to time seated in that library reading over these books. He's looking at case law. He's reading constitutional law. He's looking at statutory law in order to understand how to argue his case. This is a scribe. He devotes himself to the law of God. In modern terms, like an attorney, he is a man who studied and he maintained the law of God through his diligent study. And for the Jews, the scribes, they were masters of God's law. They poured over it. They were skilled, according to one, in the Mosaic law. In, in the book of Nehemiah, we find Ezra the scribe. And do you know what Ezra the scribe did? According to Nehemiah chapter 8, he stood on a wooden platform and they opened the word and they read the word to the people and they gave the sense of it so that the people, what? Understood the reading. This was the scribe's work. He devotes himself to the law of God and he is therefore prepared for the kingdom. These scribes are different from the scribes of Jesus' day. If you've read through the Gospels, you know that most of the time when Jesus talked about the, the, the scribes, he didn't talk about them in glowing terms. He would say things like this, haven't you read? Haven't you read Exodus? Come on, guys. Haven't you read Deuteronomy? Why are you asking me these questions? You're the scribes. You should know. Here he speaks of it in a positive term. His people will be like scribes. The people of the kingdom will be like scribes, prepared for the kingdom. Jesus provided an important modifier to the technical term. He says, he described a scribe, not not just one in general, not just one that you're used to, but he's a scribe who is prepared for the kingdom. And so this is a man who is skilled in the word of God and is able to understand it in light of the principles 
of the kingdom. And I think as we, as we think through this, there's an important principle that comes out, and it's this, to begin with. When you are brought into the kingdom of God, you are delivered from depending on what you know by nature, what you know by instinct, and you seek to know the mind of Christ as it is revealed to you in the word of God. This is your endeavor. You must be trained, do you see? You don't know the kingdom by nature. You don't know the law of God by nature. It's written on your heart because you're made in the image of God, but your nature is to do what? Suppress it in unrighteousness. So, the kingdom disciple is one who devotes himself to the Word of God. Why? Because you're seeking, you're seeking to understand where your instinct is in conflict with the Word of God. The beat of your heart is to please the Lord Jesus Christ and you want to do that so you study His Word. You're a scribe. You study the law. The kingdom disciple is marked then first and foremost by understanding the Word of God. By nature, you don't understand. By nature, you do not understand the kingdom of God. You have to be taught. It has to be given to you. It is a work of the Spirit of God who enables you to see your own sin, the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, and to confess Him as your Lord. So the kingdom disciple is one who loves the Word. He has been given understanding of it. And then secondly, then we see that the kingdom disciple treasures the Word of God. Understanding is treasure. You're probably used to the statement, knowledge is power. In other words, if you gain a certain knowledge, you have power. You are able to achieve certain things. Maybe that other people cannot achieve. So you devote yourself to learning simply so that you can be a, have an edge on the next guy. If you're a wide receiver on a football team, you want to learn your routes perfectly so that you can have an edge on the defender. But the kingdom disciple doesn't learn the word of God. He doesn't treasure it so that he can have an edge on someone. The kingdom disciple treasures it because of who it's from. Notice that Jesus says in verse 52, he's like a landowner. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who has treasure Notice Jesus is drawing on a parable that he said just a a little bit ago in chapter 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So Jesus here is referring to this man again, but now he is in possession of that field. He has bought that field with the treasure in it, and now he's a landowner. And what does he do with his treasure? Well, he goes to it and he brings it out. But what is the treasure exactly? Turn over with me to Colossians chapter 2. What is the treasure that Jesus 
is referring to here. Turn over to Colossians. Let's look together at chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, verse 2, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are hidden what? All the treasures of what? Wisdom and knowledge. Here, Paul refers to assurance of salvation as a treasure. It is riches. But the bounty of that rich, richness is in Christ. It is knowing Him. So that we read in the book of Hebrews that, that, that Moses... Um, chose not to be identified as an Egyptian. He chose to let the passing pleasure of sin go by so that he might endure the affliction of Christ, which was to him a treasure. Identity with Christ is a treasure. You think of Paul's admonition in Timothy. What did he say to him in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20? Guard the deposit. Or 2 John verse 8, where he says, do not lose what we have gained. Or as Pastor Danny has been preaching from Jude, I, I hope you'll come back tonight to hear his sermon on, from the book of Jude. And Jude said to them that they should wrestle, literally wrestle for the faith. You see what God has given you? His word is a treasure. The wisdom of Christ is a treasure. Knowing Christ is a treasure. Why is it a treasure? Why is it a treasure to know Christ? Well, I think one reason is because it is a gift. Did you know that to know Christ is a gift? I want you to look with me at Deuteronomy chapter 29. I was... I don't know if you, I've been doing the machine reading plan this year, the first time I've ever done that reading plan, and so recently was in Deuteronomy 29, and this verse really stuck out, <clears throat> especially in relation to these parables and this passage. Deuteronomy chapter 29, let's pick up and read in verse 2. And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, you have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to this, his land, the great trials that your eyes saw, the signs and those great wonders. So you think you're putting yourself in the, the Israelite shoes and they've seen all these great wonders. They've seen the plagues, they've seen the famine, they've seen the death of the firstborn. They have firsthand experience of all of this and this re great redemption that was accomplished through Moses for them, this bringing out. Now look at verse 4. But to this day, the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear. You know what this is like? This is like the man who goes to a tent revival and he experiences all the, all the hubbub of that moment. And he sees men walking the aisle and signing their names on cards 
Or maybe he experiences a man who talks about his faith and and he goes with that man on a Sunday and he sits with him in his worship service and he gets a sensation. And he has all of this sensory appeal of the worship of God. For a moment he feels the joy of the Lord. Maybe he claps his hands. Maybe he raises his hands in worship. But he never gets to the point where he actually understands what he is doing. That happens. In John chapter 8, Jesus speaks to this as he's interacting with the Pharisees. And beginning in verse 39, they they said, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. In other words, it would produce fruit in your life. But now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? And then he tells him why. It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are, not, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So you see what's happened even down to Jesus' time and this generation of Israel. Do they have understanding? No. And how can you tell? Because they do not love Christ. And so for the man who has a true understanding, the one who has received this understanding from God, how can you tell? Because he rejoices in what he knows. He rejoices in Christ. He loves Him. He delights in the Word. What did the Pharisees do? When they heard the Word, what did they do? They sought to put it to death. I don't want to hear it. David, or the psalmist in Psalm 119, I want you to listen to what he says over and over and over. He says, in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. And then in verse 16, he says, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And then in verse 77, he says, let your mercy come to me that I may live for your law is my delight. And then in verse 143, he says, trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandments are my delight. You see what he, notice just very simply, what does he say? Your testimonies are my delight, your statutes are my delight, your law is my delight, your commands are my delight. What is he saying? Why does, is he just using different words because he's being a poet and he needs some different words? He's got his thesaurus out. He says, what's another word for law? Testimony, that's what I'll put. Uh, Statute, that's what I'll put. No, no. You know what David is doing? He's saying, 
Father, as I read through Matthew, I'm sorry, from Genesis to Deuteronomy, every law, every command, every statute, every testimony, every precept, I love it all. I love every single bit of it. I could take a letter out and I'll look at the letter and I meditate on it and I love it. I love the whole thing. Statutes, commands, laws, I love it all. He's like a sports fanatic who pulls his baseball cards out and he's looking year over year. Oh, he had this many RBIs, this many home runs. This was his ERA. And he's looking at it, he's memorizing. He goes and he sits down in the pub and he talks to his friends. He had this many RBIs, this many home runs. This is the best player ever. He should go in the Hall of Fame. He shouldn't. I know his record from 1987. This is the psalmist in the Word of God. He loves it all. Because it's a gift. And it's a gift. And he loves it all. He looks at the intricacies of the law, not for itself. This was a, this was a scribe in Jesus' day. He just wanted to be smarter. But he loves it because he loves Christ. He longs to please Christ. He doesn't want to put a step outside of the will of Christ. You think about the newlywed game. It's an old game show that used to come on. And you'd have a husband and a wife separated and they would ask intimate questions of the wife and then they would bring the husband back in and see if he could answer, what's your favorite Jello flavor? And see if he could answer. Why, why do they do that? Well, because if you know your wife's favorite jello flavor, then you know your wife's you know your wife. And why does it matter if you know your wife intimately? Because it shows whether you love her or not. You spent your whole dating career seeking to know her favorite thing so you wouldn't buy the wrong thing. If she loves chocolate, surely she'll love you. For the disciple, the knowledge of Christ is the satisfaction of his soul. He wants to know Christ. So he goes and he sits in his library and he takes his law books down so he can read about the mind of Christ, so he can live for Christ. And in your pursuit of Christ through His Word, you're caught up then into the fellowship of the triune Godhead. The more you know it, the more you fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Samuel Rutherford said, Christ is a well of life, but who knows how deep it is to the bottom. You know that in Christ, there is a bottomless well of knowledge to you. And I would just add that here, Christ invites His disciples to send down their buckets and draw out His wisdom. Are you sending down your bucket? kingdom disciple sends down his bucket over and over and over to learn Christ, to honor Christ, to live with Christ, and for Christ, and to love Him. But the one who isn't a disciple treats the Word like rubbish. There's an incredible story in Jeremiah chapter 36. And Jeremiah, because he was not free, he called a scribe in to take down his words and take them to the king of Israel. This was just before uh, the southern kingdom went into captivity. And, and so in Jeremiah chapter 36, the, 
the scribe, Berechiah, comes to him. And he writes down everything that Jeremiah says on a scroll. And he rolls a scroll up. And he takes the scroll into the king, Jehoiakim. Takes the scroll into the king and he, he, and, and he unrolls it. And they start to read the scroll to the king. You, you know what the king did? He had in front of him, he had a fire pot just sitting there burning, smoldering. And as the scribe would read a little bit, he would say, stop. And the scribe would stop. Give me the scroll. And he'd give him the scroll. And the king would take the scroll and he would tear off a line. Put it in the fire pot. Give it back to the scribe. The scribe would read another line. The king would take the scroll from him and he would tear it off. Put it in the fire pot. And this happened over and over and over until the word of God was gone. But Jesus teaches us that the true disciple of the kingdom loves his word because he loves the master of the word. Finally, the kingdom disciple, because this is his treasure, he shares the word of God. I have, I, back when baseball card shops were a, a thing and comic shops, I went in one day and they had this Bo Jackson card, and it's called Black and Blue Card. And so I, I still have it. It's in an acrylic case. And so I have this, it's a, it's a Don Russ baseball card. It's got Bo Jackson. He's got shoulder pads on. And he's got his arms over a baseball bat because he was a two-sport athlete. Very unique, amazing talent. Played at Auburn University. I don't know if you knew that. Um, It's a unique card. And because of its value, I took it and I put it in a case. And I still have it so I can take it out every now and then and just look at it. There he is, still there. Still has a baseball bat. Young as ever. Still with a good hip. But notice what the kingdom disciple does as we go back to Matthew chapter 13. He's like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Literally there, the word is not he brings it out, but he throws it out. He casts it out. He expels it. He is generous with his knowledge. And so Jesus, you can see, is already sort of establishing the disciples for what they will do. He's giving them his word. He's investing his word in them so that they will go out and invest the word in other people, just like we sang about at the opening of our worship. And I think this is the difference between a Christian who has a house full of Hobby Lobby signs and the Christian who has a Haynes manual. You know, you've got Hobby Lobby signs and maybe it's got your favorite Bible verse on there and your friend comes in and they say, man, that's a wonderful Hobby Lobby sign. And, and they say, I, that's my favorite verse. And then they say, well, what does it mean? I don't know what it means. It just sounds good. You know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Are you doing that? Are you practicing that? Are you diving down into the, the meat of that? What was the context of that? Who said it? I, I don't know. What do you do with it? I dust it every now and then. And then some, some of us have Haynes manuals. This is, as you know, before YouTube, you had to go to AutoZone and you had to buy a Haynes manual if you wanted to be able to work on your own car. And it gave you all the instructions. And after a while, what happens to that Haynes manual? Well, it's got oil stains all over it. The pages are wrinkled. Stuck together because it's been used. And then you share that knowledge with others. 
This is connected with the fruit production and the parable of the sower. Remember what the, the good ground did? What did it do? It brought forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. It bears fruit. Now, just like the scribe Ezra, you teach others. And what we notice is that he gives new and old. He gives new and old. What in the world does that mean? Well, just to give you a quick illustration, I want you to turn over with me to 1 John chapter 2. Verse 7. How does a scribe, the disciple of Christ, teach men what is new and what is old? What does that mean? Well, John, the apostle, wrote there, Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. So John, immediately as an apostle, he's saying, look, I'm not being an entrepreneur here. I'm not trying to be innovative. I am just sharing with you what has been true from the very beginning. I'm giving you the old commandment. Not a new one. Okay, I understand that. But then he goes on, he says in verse 8, at the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you. Okay, either you're getting older and you've forgotten what you just said, okay, or we need some explanation. And what John is explaining to the people, do you understand, is that now he's taken an old commandment that is made new. How is it made new? Because it is in Christ, in the fullness of the Spirit, You have new spiritual life. You are able to understand this in a new way to bring out the fruit of it. And this is what the disciple of Christ does, the disciple of the kingdom. He treasures the New Testament and the Old Testament together. They are both his treasure. He explains the new with vigor and the old with vigor But what Jesus makes clear is that these men and what he says, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven does what? He sows. He scatters. He looks for the opportunity to teach one more person. He's a trainer. He brings in the kids. He imparts to them as a father or as a mother. He says, let me tell you the statutes. Let me tell you the testimonies. Let me tell you the commandments. Let me tell you the law. Let me show you Christ. The kingdom disciple is one who joyfully seeks mastery of the law of God in light of the kingdom of God and seeks to share that joy with others. Do you know how to increase your joy? Share it with someone else. Here is the picture of the scribe who is prepared for the kingdom of God. He demonstrates his understanding of the word of God by cultivating an ever-increasing love of the word. There never gets to be a point where you say, I got it all, I'm full, I'm going to push back from the table now. He loves the word. Listen, because it is the letter that teaches you about your beloved Listen to me. You love the word because it is the letter that teaches you about your beloved. You go to it to learn Christ. And the more you know the word, the more you grow in love to Christ. 
the more you are able to please him, and therefore your pursuit of the word is unquenchable. And you desire others to know this joy in Christ. So what do you do? You, you train them in it. This is the scribe who has been trained in the kingdom. He's trained in the word. The word is his treasure. And he shares it with others. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven... Who are we? We are, in the world's eyes, the weaklings, the foolish, and the nothings, the nobodies. And truly, we deserve even worse than this to be put under the earth and buried forever, only to know the unquenchable fire of your wrath. But not only... Have you redeemed us from that future through the Lord Jesus Christ and our faith in Him? But you've given us treasure. You have given us treasure. Christ to us is our treasure. And oh Lord, I pray for myself and my brothers and sisters this morning that you would enable us to live like Christ is a treasure. I pray for myself and And everyone gathered here that every time we read your word that we would find ourselves communing with our beloved Lord and being taught by him through the Spirit. This is our greatest gift. And help us, O Father, as a body of Christ to be faithful individually, to go out and share this word, to look for the opportunity to strike up a conversation so that we might impart the Word, to look for opportunities here amongst the body to share our treasure so that we might share our joy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.